Welcome to the Go Find Out Podcast. I'm Jennifer Jelliff Russell, author, speaker, and entrepreneur, bringing you actionable ideas and interviews with awesome women to help you pursue your dreams and achieve your goals. You can find more episodes of the Go Find Out Podcast by visiting gofindoutpodcast.com. Enjoy the show and go find out. Welcome to the Go Find Out Podcast, episode number 36. I'm your host, Jennifer Jelliff Russell. On today's show, I'll be interviewing automation specialist and podcast host, Michelle Thompson. She has a lot of really cool information about how to better automate your small business, but we also get into suggestions that could be applied to really any goals that you're going after and not just business. All right, let's get to my personal update. Oh my gosh, go-getters. So somehow we have already made it to the last week of January 2021. This month kind of sort of flew by, right? I feel like we were sort of stuck in a holding pattern for most of 2020 with the pandemic. And now it feels like we're being sort of slingshotted forward in time as a result. And, And yeah, I definitely decided that slingshotted is a word. It's a word. Yep. In other news, it was amazing to watch the inauguration last week and see our first ever Black Asian woman vice president be sworn into office. So exciting, guys. I can't believe after such a dark four years that we are starting to come into the light finally. I'm so happy to see such a diverse cabinet selected with this White House. However, I do think it's important to recognize that we can't get complacent and expect everything to be smooth sailing from here on out. It's important that we lift up Black voices and continue to check our own biases. As such, I would love to feature more Black, Indigenous, and women of color, as well as feature more women from the LGBTQIA community. If you or someone that you know would be a really great guest on the show because you or they have gone after a really big goal, I'd love to have you on the show. You can email me at evergrowthcoach at gmail.com, and there's also a link in the show notes that you can use to email me. And remember, it doesn't have to be something in business. I know I've had a few coaches on recently, but I'm also super stoked to speak with women who have kicked ass in sports or, you know, who have a really cool hobby. So give me a shout if you feel like you'd be a good fit. So the other thing that has happened this last week was I fell down the rabbit hole of TikTok and Snapchat. (laughs) So I have created um, a TikTok account and a Snapchat account, and both are under the Go Find Out podcast. Although on Snapchat, I am Go Find Out PD cast because I couldn't use enough letters to write out podcasts. So anyway, so so you can check me out at TikTok and Snapchat. TikTok is Go Find Out Podcast and Snapchat is Go Find Out PD Cast. Then I, of course, will drop the links in the show notes so you guys can find me on there and follow me. Some of the stuff I post is a little bit silly and some of the sort of behind the scenes for podcasting. So check it out. All right, let's roll on to the interview with Michelle to talk about her journey of getting into automation. On today's show, I'll be interviewing podcast host and automation specialist, Michelle Thompson. We'll be focusing on how she built a specialty around helping other businesses automate their systems after she experienced a stroke and had to learn to automate her own daily systems in order to regain control of her life. Welcome to the show, Michelle. Thank you so much for having me, Jennifer. I appreciate it. 
Yeah, I'm super excited to talk to you today and, and hear more about your story. So as I mentioned, your area of expertise was finance, and now it's automation. Can you tell us a little bit more about how that came about after your stroke? Yeah, uh, it was actually necessity. Um, mm-hmm. So I had gone back to school and gotten my MBA in finance, and I was working as a project controls engineer for a large construction company. And I was at work one day, and all of a sudden, you know, half the computer screen went black. And it it was literally like somebody drew a line down it. It was the weirdest thing. And I, I thought my monitor wasn't working. Then I turned to talk to one of my friends and the black spot moved. And I went, what in the world? And so, you know, I said to my coworker, I was like, hey, Jen, I can't see. And she's like, very funny. Ha ha ha. Because we used to like joke around and have a lot of fun at work. And I was like, no, really, I can't. And uh, so we called 911 and I went to the... Uh, the emergency room and we found out that I'd had a stroke and um, it was, we didn't actually find out that day. It actually took a little while to figure it out. But um, what had happened was I have a very weird uh, hereditary blood disorder that I got from both my mom and my dad. It's called factor five, but in the olden days, I used to call it like sticky blood syndrome. And so what that means is um, my body thinks that the inside of me is constantly cut. So it's it's trying to heal a cut. And so it's constantly making blood clots to try and heal the cut that isn't there. So at any point in time, I have a whole bunch of, of uh, blood clots just, just flowing around. And that particular oh, day, yeah, I know, right? Fun. Um, that particular day, one of them went to my brainstem and uh cut off oxygen for a couple of minutes. We don't know exactly how long, but enough that it did uh, some significant permanent brain damage. And so automation had to become part of my life because it was very unsafe for me to do all kinds of things after after the stroke, things that you wouldn't think of. Um, you know, I would uh, leave the stove on, uh, leave the oven on, um, forget to turn it off. Um, I would come in the house and leave my keys in the door. Um, So, you know, anybody could have just, you know, either taken the car or come right in or. And so for about two years, I had to relearn how to basically just, you know, survive just normal everyday kind of things. We started putting in software and automation to make things easier because I, I didn't remember, okay, Michelle, it's time to brush your teeth. Okay, Michelle, you have to take your medicine all right, Michelle, it's time to drink water. And so what would happen is I would go a whole day and I would only have maybe three ounces of something to drink. And so I was getting dehydrated, which was causing all kinds of other problems because I couldn't remember to do it. So we got the idea to use Google. And so through occupational therapy and physical therapy, we kind of married the two and we came up with a system to, I live in a very controlled environment now. And basically um, I have a Google home in each room of my house and I have automation set up so that it literally does remind me, you know, Hey Michelle, it's, you know, time to feed the dog. Hey Michelle, check and see if the dog has to go out. So it was literally like set it and forget it. So I didn't have to worry about forgetting that I left the oven on or now I still do some fun things like, uh, like, let's see, the other day I was trying to make coffee and I poured, um, water in the toaster instead of, (laughs) yeah, so that was, um, so it's not completely foolproof, but, uh, but we started looking at, you know, Hey, if we can automate every single part of our lives so that, you know, we remember to do the simple things. Why, why can't we do that in business? Mm-hmm. And so we started looking at different ways that we could automate things. And this actually all came about because when it, when it first happened and I first got diagnosed with the homozygous factor five, 
they basically told me, you know, Michelle, you're a ticking time bomb and it's only a matter of time until you have another stroke. And we don't know if you'll be as lucky the second time around. And so I started thinking about, okay, if I were to pass away or, you know, what happens if I'm not here tomorrow? I want to make sure that I only touch something once and it lives on forever. So we tried to figure out ways to remove me, but yet download my brain and and get it to just run on its own. And we got really, really good at that. And then my friends who uh, had some businesses, they started looking at what I'm doing was doing, and they were like, "How are you doing that? You know, I like I have a normal brain and I can't do that." And uh, so I started just slowly teaching them, and uh, it ended up turning into this, you know, big whole day where I was, you know, able to actually download um, all all the stuff in my brain and teach business owners how to do this, so now that they can replicate it and duplicate it themselves, which has been pretty awesome. Yeah, that's really cool that you're able to do that. So that's kind of the turning point then of kind of turning your ability to automate systems into like a service to to offer to other businesses was when your friends kind of came to you. Yeah. Um, so I I joke that it was you know the business that got built on accident because it was never intended. Right. I never thought that I would ever even be able to do something like that. And what happened was you know my my friends just slowly started asking well can you teach me how to do that and can you teach me how to do that and what i did was rather than just teach them one on one i would record a video mm-hmm. and so the video would be there forever and then we would take it and we would create notes and we would create action steps and here go do this homework and so then when they watched the video and they did the homework, they were able to duplicate what i did and so rather than just teaching one on one now we had built a system to teach everybody. And so um, everybody's like, oh my gosh, Michelle, you need to take all of this and build a course. And uh, and so I was like, uh, okay, sure, why not? So, you know, we went through and, and we built the course and we launched the course and a whole bunch of people took the course and they're like, Michelle, this is awesome, but I don't want to learn how to outsource. I don't want to learn how to automate and, and figure all this stuff out. Can you just do it for me? And uh, at that point, I had a couple employees working for me and I thought, well, I guess so. You know, I could let them borrow my team. And it just kind of grew from there. And so um, now we have uh, a whole team of people who basically we can do one of two things. I can teach you how to outsource and automate yourself or you can you know just hit the easy button and say Michelle here you go just give it I just want to give it to you I don't want to do it and so we ended up building both sides so that we were able to serve people where they were at and it's been remarkably successful uh, which is all happened completely on accident. <laughs> That's awesome. I mean, automation is huge for businesses. I know if you're familiar with Tim Ferriss, yes. the yep. four-hour work week is a huge push for automation. So Yeah. And the other thing cool is one of the things that the reason Tim Ferriss got as much accomplished as he did was he married automation with outsourcing. And that mm. is actually Tim Ferriss in the four-hour work week is where I got the idea because I thought, well, okay, we can't get a piece of software to do it perfect, but I don't want a human to have to do the whole thing. So how mm. do we marry the two? and get the best efficiency out of it. Um, and so, yeah, Tim Tim was totally uh, to, to blame for this business. So thanks, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And so now when you first shifted away from finance to, you know, really focusing on the business of automation uh, or turning it into a business, did you have any like naysayers about, you know, that pivot and shifting away from fa- finance? Oh my gosh, yes. Um, my whole family was like, Michelle, you you had a stroke. You can't do this. This is, you know, a really bad idea. You need to just, you know, sit and relax and, you know, just 
be chill. Um, and uh, they were afraid that I was going to get, you know, stressed out and the stress would cause another stroke. Um, so the majority of my family really wasn't wasn't that supportive. Um, and honestly, I had to kind of build a whole new uh, set of colleagues and friends when I when I started going into this because I was just honest with people. I was like, hey, um, I have no idea how to do this, but I want to learn. So can you kind of, can you just throw me a bone and show me where to go? And so I'd go learn that. And then I'd come back and I'd be like, okay, I learned that, you know, now what do I do? And um, I ran into a couple of really awesome mentors who just kind of took me under their wing and they were like, you know, okay, Michelle, you figured out this piece. Now, now go look at this. And okay, now go look at this. Uh, but it it was not easy. There were a lot of people who would very strongly prefer I didn't do what I did. Hmm. Yeah, it's a, it, I mean, it's a huge pivot. It sounds like, and I'm assuming you went to school for finance and you know had a degree in it, and um, to pivot away from that to something that is not the same as your degree can be really difficult. I think for people to understand. Yeah, and I think that one of the things that was challenging was I, I was moving into this realm that we had, you know, really no idea about. And like you said, you know, my undergraduate is actually in psychology and my master's is in uh, a dual major. So I had uh, was in finance and entrepreneurship. So mm -hmm. that's what my MBA was in. But um, then, you know, everybody was like, oh my gosh, you spent like eight years of your life getting these degrees and, and now you want to go do this. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so a lot of people didn't didn't understand that. They thought I was just kind of hopping around. How did you actually, like, how did you handle that negativity, especially from your family? Because that I think can be one of the more difficult aspects. Yeah, you're going to laugh, but um, <laughs> I basically stopped talking to them about it because they were so negative and they were, you know, and it wasn't like they were trying to be negative. They were trying to protect me. They're like, Michelle, you can't do this. It's not possible. Just you don't want to set yourself up for failure and you don't want to be disappointed. So, you know, it, it's best if you just not concentrate on this. And so I basically just stopped talking to them about it. And so they thought that I just stopped doing it. They thought I got bored. And to this day, actually, we really don't even talk about it. So there's this this whole business that, you know, we just don't even don't even talk about because it's in their mind, you know, they're just waiting for it to come crashing down. And for me, I live in a world of abundance. For me, I had to make the decision that, you know, hey, we are going to make it and this is going to happen. And so I love you guys and I'm not going to exclude you from my life, but we're just not going to talk about that. <laughs> right. Now that makes sense. So what would you say has been your biggest challenge in building your business? Honestly, I think my biggest challenge is not wanting to quit because we we think that business is going to be this this nice line where it just goes straight up, mm -hmm. but it's really not that. It's this roller coaster of a ride where, you know, we have a high moment and then it's, you know, we hit a dip and things go down and then, uh, you know, something goes back up. And so I think that just staying focused every day has been challenging and, you know, try to move the needle just a little bit forward. As crazy as that sounds, you know, there are days when like I love doing what I do um, and I love changing people's lives. But there are some days where I wake up and I'm like, you know what, I'm I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> and so I think the, the biggest challenge has just been, you know, because my family was so you can't do this, you can't do this, just telling myself, yes, yes, I can and I will. And you get kicked around and you get back up and you get back on the horse and you're like, well, OK, that didn't work. And I actually had a friend tell me yesterday, she's actually my business coach, and she said, uh, you know, Michelle, if you study eight 
nine, 10 figure earners, their goal is to fail as fast as possible. Mm-hmm. And I went, what? And she's like, yeah, she's like, it's not about failing because you're, you're going to fail anyway. So let's figure it out, get the data and then pivot. And so when I started thinking about that, I was like, oh my gosh, that's awesome. I don't have to worry about failing anymore. We're going to fail. It's just how do we take that data and interpret it and pivot and move into the next phase that we need to grow into? And I thought that was hugely helpful and uh, gives you a whole lot of energy when when you have that day where you're like, oh man, I just got kicked in the chops again. (laughs) So yeah. I think that's that's the the biggest challenge is, you know, um is it is it all worth it? And when you when you sit back and you look at it, you're like, yes, yes it is. Look at look at all this stuff that's been built and look at how many lives we're changing. But when you're in that moment, you know, and and you can't necessarily go back to your family because they don't necessarily support you. It's sometimes it's a lonely ride. Yeah. And now it sounds like though you have surrounded yourself, as you mentioned earlier, with people in the automation industry, if you will, or who have experience in that area so that you have people to go to, to be able to talk to about this kind of thing. Oh yeah, absolutely. I have some amazing support systems in place that I've found from people have either heard my story and they're like, oh my gosh, you didn't quit. I want to help you. Or or I have a, my best friend is very, very supportive of what I do. So I can, I can go to her and I can be like, okay, today just sucked. <laughs> um, but then there's also the strategic side, right? So if I get stuck on a problem, you know, I can go to numerous people who are, are built, they built the same thing. They're just um, at a higher level than I am, right? Like, so for, I would say that the person who taught me how to build the agency, his name is Jeff Hunter. He's a, an amazing man. And he has, uh, virtual assistants. He, he has a hundred employees. So he's much larger than I am. And I was just very transparent with him. And I was like, Hey Jeff, this is, you know, I'm, I'm starting to figure out how to do this. And he's like, Oh, okay. He's like, go look at this or, you know, look at this piece of software and it'll help you solve that problem. And so I've been very blessed in that we kind of all have a close knit community where we all live in a land of abundance. And we're not like, you know, cause Jeff could have been, Oh my gosh, you're my competition. I'm not going to tell you what to do. Um, but, but he wasn't, he was very much like, Oh, okay, cool. I had that problem three years ago and here's how I solved it. Go, go look at this or go do this. And I was very, very blessed, uh, to have that. And so with each area, I kind of have a person that is kind of my, my go-to where I can kind of bounce ideas off of them. So for Jeff, it's building the agency side. Ian Pribble was another mentor of mine, and he's he's the person that actually taught me how to outsource uh, to another country. And so Ian is incredibly supportive. Uh, I would say Ian probably has made the biggest impact on my life of all the the mentors that I have. But then from the business side, one of the things that I, ironically, one of the parts of the brain damage that happened was I can't do math anymore. Oh. And so when you're trying to build a business and you can't do math, that's usually a really bad idea. Yeah, that's difficult. <laughs> yeah, a little difficult. So I actually, my business coach has actually help me build Excel spreadsheets and things like that. And so I'll go to her and I'll be like, Hey, Katie, this is what I want to do, but I have no idea if I can afford to do it or what the ramifications look like. And then she'll go through and she'll look at the math and she'll say, yeah, we can, or no, we can't. So it's almost like, she's almost like my little CEO. Um, <laughs> I, I don't mean little that sorry. Yeah, that's sorry. Yeah, no, right but, um, So I have all these people in my life and it was just by being transparent and honest with people and saying, hey, I haven't had it. I don't I don't have this all figured out, but I want to. Would you come alongside me and help? And some of them did it out of the goodness of their heart and others I've paid very handsomely for it. But it's still 
regardless, you know, I had to have somebody to go to to get that answer. And and so I've built that system around me. Nice. No, that makes sense. And now you you also mentioned a minute ago, but you are also the host of the Automate to Dominate podcast. Can you tell us a little bit more about the show and what it's about? Yeah. So you're you're gonna laugh. I actually <laughs> built that show because I wanted to interview people who are smarter than me. And <laughs> what do you think I'm doing right now, buddy? <laughs> <laughs> so so I I built the um built the show and the idea was to to interview uh, multimillionaires who had built multiple streams of income. And I wanted to know how they did it. And ironically, uh, or not so ironically, I suppose I did it on purpose without realizing it. A lot of those people that I have interviewed on my podcast have become part of my network. And they're Uh part of of the people that I can go now chat with and um, say, you know, hey, Donnie, what's going on? Like, I'm, I'm at this point. And so that podcast literally, and somebody told me later, well, that's really selfish. And I didn't even think of it like that. I was just like, okay, here's my problem. And I, I, I want to learn. So let's start a podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I, I laugh now, but yeah, I, I built it because I wanted a excuse to be able to send somebody an email and say, hey, you have this piece of knowledge that I would love to learn and I want to get it to the whole world because I don't want you to just give it to me. I want you to give it to everybody. You know, would you be willing to, to chat with me? And it's amazing how many people say yes. And so I went through and for each place in my business where I had to learn, you know, um, okay, I don't know how to set up email marketing system. Let's find somebody who's really good at email marketing and let's go get them on the podcast. Um, And so that's exactly what I did. I went through and I found people who were excellent at what they did and they were millionaires in their in their industry. And then I would ask them not only what are the systems that you put in place, but how are you thinking about things? Because uh, multimillionaires think about things very differently than um, most people. They, they have a, a different uh, perspective on things. And I wanted to learn that perspective. And so instead of like, here's, here's a great example for somebody who bills, you know, maybe $250 an hour, it does not make sense for them to mow their grass or clean their house. And you're like, well, gee, you're kind of lazy. You don't want to mow your own grass. Well, no, it's not that. It's got to do with if I take the time to do that, it's pulling from somewhere else. But then also the brain capacity. I only have so much brain capacity in a day. Do I really want to spend that brain capacity on cleaning the house uh, Mm -hmm. when I could use it to build and change other people's lives? And so they just look at the world very differently. And I wanted to tap into that. And so, so through that podcast, I've learned and started to build several different income streams uh, based off of what they've they've taught me, which was really awesome. No, that's awesome. And I, I think a lot of podcast hosts actually do something similar. They start the podcast with the sort of side idea of, I get to talk to all these awesome people and learn something from them, which I think is great. And, what, and that's what I'm doing today with you. Um, and in fact, that's going to be my next question. So like you said, you've had a lot of really awesome guests on your show with a lot of really insightful suggestions and great ideas um, for automation. What would you say have been like one or two points that have really stuck with you after an interview? about automation? I think that, you know, the more you talk to people, the more you realize you can automate just about anything these days. Computers are just wicked smart. And there's probably 100,000 pieces of software that do the exact same thing. And what I found is if you don't have a plan, if you're just going out and trying to 
implement a piece of software because you want it to automate, you end up putting the uh, cart before the horse per se. But if you sit down and you strategically figure out, okay, I want it to do X for Y and then go build it, it ends up becoming much, much easier and the pieces fit a whole lot better. And that probably doesn't make any sense. But so many people are like, oh my gosh, I know I need to do email marketing. So I'm just going to do a little Google search and up comes 15. Let's just pick this one because it looks pretty. It doesn't necessarily matter which tool you use. It's how you're using it. And that is the difference between somebody who's kind of making it and somebody who's incredibly succeeding is they took the time to plan it all out so that it did exactly what they needed it to do instead of kind of patching it together. So I'm not sure if that answered your question, but... No, no, it totally does because I think everybody likes the idea of automating. Like I know I love the idea of making sure I automate something in my business. So like, for example, for this podcast, I have automated some of my social media posts, but they're still, I still make them and I post them and I had to learn to to do that with a plan and not just being like, I'll do this on this day and this time. Like I had to come in with a plan of what I would be posting and how using that automation would actually help me. Yeah. And let's use podcasting as as an example. Yeah. So from the time that I start my podcast, it turns into probably 10 or 15 different pieces of content without me having to touch it. So Mm -hmm. let me talk you through how that happens. So we start with the platform. I happen to use Zoom, right? It doesn't matter which one you use. And then when Zoom is done, what happens is I use uh, Zapier. Are you familiar with with a Zap? No. Mm -mm. Okay. So uh, Zapier is this awesome tool that you can actually set up five zaps for free and they'll let you use them without ever even having to pay for it. And what it'll do is it'll come in and it'll grab the video from Zoom and it'll send it to my transcription place. So uh, for me, I use sonics.ai, but you can use Rev, Temi, it doesn't matter. So this zap grabs it and uploads it to Sonics. Then Sonics goes through and automatically transcribes it. Then what happens is when it's done transcribing, it will send an email to my staff that says, hey, this is done transcribing. I need you to come in and now edit it because, you know, Sonics gets it about 90%. We still need a human to to go through. Mm -hmm. Uh, So they go through and they correct that. And then we can actually upload that on the website with the full transcription. But then that then gets sent, an email gets sent to my writer and they turn that into a blog post. Mm. At the exact same time that all that's happening, and uh, he'll cut out probably you know, three or four different pieces that will turn into social media content. And so that will then get emailed to the graphic design team and then they'll upload it into, I happen to use Social Bee, but you can use Hootsuite, Buffer, Meet Edgar, it doesn't matter. A platform where we basically put it there and then it's set it and forget it, right? It drops Mm -hmm. and it's going to market your podcast. So that's the whole marketing side of it, right? But we still haven't actually done anything with the podcast itself. Uh, So I have another zap that grabs it and puts it into a Google Drive. And it'll then send an email to my editing guys, right? So they'll take the video and they're going to put my intro and outro, edit everything out. Then they're going to, well, there's two ways that we do that. So there is a piece of of software called uh, repurpose.io. And it is a super slick piece of software where you can upload it to a Facebook page and then it will grab it and it will put it on Uh, I happen to use Libsyn for my podcast. So Mm -hmm. it will take the video and it will strip out the audio and upload it with my podcast intro and outro 
to Libsyn automatically. It will then send it to YouTube automatically. It'll send parts of it to Instagram. It'll send it to LinkedIn. So it's literally blasting it everywhere without us ever having to touch it, which is super awesome. But the trick is before we do that, we have to go through. And so I have Habigat uh, edits the, the episode and then Charo actually goes through and she takes show notes on that. And we actually have little timestamps on the on the bullet points of you know when we're making a different point. Well, mm-hmm. I take the time to put the timestamps. Well, that tells the piece of software what clip to use for Instagram. Mm. And so we're able to push it and turn it into uh, 10 or 15 different pieces without me ever having to touch any of it. And really with only about two or three humans uh, actually touching it, which is pretty slick and awesome. I definitely have to check out some of those, uh, the Zapier that you mentioned and repurpose IO. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of fun. When you start playing with it, it gets, it gets addicting because you're like, oh my gosh, it can do this and it can do this. Like what else can I get it to do? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I know my, um, podcast host, I use Podbean and they do some mm-hmm. of that stuff automatically, but yeah. obviously not everything. So cool. Yeah. And now kind of continuing to talk about the automation. I, so I, I know, and I've have personally run into this too. Some folks like do struggle with the idea of automation because they think that will make them appear like less authentic, like let's say for social media mm-hmm. um, or, you know, if it's like emailing clients um, and they've automated that and it makes them feel like that maybe it's less authentic, handing over control of a process or outsourcing it and handing over control to somebody else. Have you run into any struggles with your own automation or outsourcing process because of this? Yeah, I love this question. Um, so there's, I'll answer it in two part. So I'll, I'll need you to remind me to come back uh, and answer the second part, which, which is how do we hand off a process and, and get another human to do it exactly as we would have done it? Okay. But the very first part is that you said was, do I worry about it not being authentic? Mm-hmm. And, and the answer is there is some truth to that, right? If we use something like uh, Buffer, Hootsuite, or Socialbee, Facebook is naturally going to throttle that. Mm. And when they throttle it, that means that you're only going to get about 70% of the traffic that you normally would if you would post it, you know, by a human. So here is my my take or view on that um, is if I can automate it and not touch it, chances are I'm going to be a lot more consistent than if I don't automate it. And so especially for smaller business owners where they're wearing way too many hats, 70% is better than 0%. And so what happens is we end up being so worried about it getting throttled. And what what happens is people go through, if we're putting out good content, yes, it's only going to get shown to 70%. But as people go through and like and comment and and you're giving really good value, what's going to happen is uh, Facebook and LinkedIn is naturally going to, their algorithms are going to push that up. When when I say push that up, that means they're going to show it to more people uh, because people are engaging with that piece of content. And that's what Facebook wants, right? They want you to stay on their platform as long as possible. And so as we're putting it out, good content, you know, if it's if it's something that's just crappy, you know, hey, you're not going to get any engagement. But if you put something out there that is engaging, right, uh, that is useful and helpful to people, uh, they're going to naturally start liking it, commenting on it. And so what's going to happen is Facebook is naturally going to get over that 30% hump anyway. So for me, I don't 
I don't worry about that. Um, I know some people are super against it. And if that is you and you are super against it, that's totally fine. If you don't have the capacity to do it yourself, then you need to outsource it to a human because otherwise what's going to happen is you're going to drop the ball and you're not cons- you're not going to be consistent with your audience. And then in the long run, that's going to actually hurt you where the piece of software could have helped. Mm-hmm. And then the second part was how do we hand that process off to get somebody else to do it the way that we would? Yeah, that's the terrifying part, right? Right. Because, <laughs> you know, we've worked so hard to build this baby, right? And and we don't want anybody to hurt our baby. And so nobody can do it as good as I can. And that was so true before I had the stroke. Like I, I was like, nobody can do it as good as I can do it. Like, you know, I've got I've got this. Right. And, you know, without realizing it, I put on this like superhero cape and I was like, ah, yeah. And uh, (laughs) what was funny was when I outsourced something, it wasn't the person that was doing the outsourcing. Like if I got a, if I got it back and I was like, oh, okay, this isn't really, this isn't as good as I could have done it. Mm -hmm. It was because I didn't communicate well. Mm -hmm. And so therein lies the trick to outsourcing. If you can take one task and you can just record a video showing them step by step exactly what you're doing and why you're doing it. See, this is the the part that most people miss. Uh, Let's take, for example, a simple graphic that you're making in Canva. Mm -hmm. When you go through, you're going to scroll through and naturally make probably 100 decisions instantly without even realizing it because you're going to look at a font and you're going to say, oh, I don't, you know, that's too blocky. I like this font. Or you're going to say, I don't like that color. It's a little too sharp or it looks a little too much like Pepto-Bismo or, you know, whatever it is. You're going to look at a picture and you're going to say, okay, I like this picture because it, it gives me this feeling and this is my brand and this is what I'm trying to do versus, uh, you know, this person with their arms crossed up against a black wall and I don't, black looks dark to me. And so you, you automatically make all those decisions instantaneously, but you've never actually taken the time to tell anybody else that. The way that I learned this was um, the first graphic designer that I hired was a, a gentleman and uh, Noriel is great. And I said to him, hey, I want you to go create this professional business graphic. That's all I told him. <laughs> I got back this guy in a suit and tie with like this. It was like so corporate. And he was against this black wall and it looked like there was this cloud over his head. And Noriel (laughs) thought that it was like a, you know, a cloud like he was thinking he was brainstorming. And I looked at it as like, oh, my gosh, this is like the worst thing I've ever seen. And it was my fault because I didn't tell him all those micro decisions. So when I sat down and I said, and all I did was, okay, here's here's a, a great tip. Uh, if you aren't familiar with Loom, it's L-O-O-M. Okay. And it's a free piece of software where you can go through and you can record a five-minute video and show somebody step-by-step uh, how to do something and hmm. give them give them feedback. So you know how they say a picture says a thousand words? Well, a video says 10,000 words. <laughs> so right. if you can just take 60 seconds and give somebody feedback on what they did, why you liked it, why you didn't, then you know, you're able to uh, basically download your brain into that person. And then they're able to do exactly do it exactly as you would have done it because you've given them your thought process. Mm. So now let's actually back it up a little bit further. Before we even give a task to somebody, let's 
record that video ahead of time and let's just walk them through step by step exactly what you're doing and why you're doing it and the reason why you're picking that graphic and the reason why you're picking that font. And this is the look and feel and the brand that I have and this is what I wanna convey. When you just take five minutes to do that, your output will go up 80% just doing that because you've now taken the time to to let them, instead of just, hey, go do this, <laughs> um, and you're just supposed to automatically read my brain and know what I want, you've actually given them uh, a step-by-step -step guide to do it as you would have done. And we have found that that is amazingly helpful. And what you're doing is you're actually setting up the person for success that you're handing mm. the task off to. If you don't do it that way, you're really setting them up to fail and we don't even realize it. And that's, yeah. that's the super cool part. And it becomes addicting because, you know, as we start recording these videos, then what we do is, um, you know, let's say it's a full-time staff member. I'll record a video and then I'll tell them, you know, hey, I want you to watch this video and then I want you to go through and I want you to create a standard operating procedure. And I want every single step lined out. So not only are they watching the video, but while they're creating the standard operating procedure, they're actually teaching themselves how to do it. Then they send it back to me. And what we do is we take a complete stranger who has no idea how to do that task and we give it to him and say, here, can you duplicate this? And if there's a spot missing, then we know, okay, something was not transferred down from our brain, right? There's a step missing. Mm -hmm. um, and so then what happens is we're able to create this perfect system where somebody can duplicate it 95% of what you would have done if you had just done it yourself, but now you've freed up all your time. That's awesome. Yeah. It's, it's super simple to do. Um, mm -hmm. it's just, we don't, we don't think about it. Right. Right. So kind of on the tail of that, what, what automation or outsourcing advice would you have for someone who is just starting a business? Yeah, that is a great question. And I have an awesome tool for that. So if you'll go to my website, it's, uh, awesomeoutsourcing.com slash discovery hyphen tool. Okay. Uh, it's just a simple Excel spreadsheet. And mm -hmm. what I do is I get people to basically take an inventory of every single thing that they do in a day. And then I ask them, can another human do this? Can a piece of software do this? Or you absolutely must do this yourself. Like for instance, this um, interview, right? Nobody else can mm -hmm. do this. I have to do this. Right. But editing the interview, I don't have to do that right? Mm -hmm. Publicizing it, all, all that other good fun stuff. And so what we do is we then go through and we create categories, right? This is, this is all admin tasks. This is bookkeeping. This is uh, marketing. Um, this is whatever, right? Pick the department. And so then what we do is we figure out how many hours that is, and that'll tell us, okay, if I got this off my plate, would I be able to take those 20 hours and then turn it into additional revenue with the time that I've freed up? Mm. And that'll tell you if you can afford to pay that person. If the answer is no, you know, I won't be able to go get more clients, then you need to grind and hustle a little bit more because maybe you're not really ready to financially afford to hire somebody. But if the answer is yes, like, oh my gosh, if I got 20 hours back, I could go follow up on this prospect. I could go do this. I could go do this networking and that's going to bring in three more clients. And so it costs me $1,000 a month for this employee, but I'm able to make $4,000 in revenue. Then yeah, it's a no brainer. You should have, you should outsource. Okay. No, that's great advice. I will be checking that out on your website. <laughs> and so you mentioned your website address. Um, where else can we find you online and social media? Yeah. So um, I hang out on Facebook a lot. So there's a, a group in there, Awesome Outsourcing. And then 
I'm just under Michelle Thompson on uh, on Facebook. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn, uh, so you can you can find me there. I don't hang out there as much, uh, honestly. Yeah, same here. I have a LinkedIn, but I don't hang out there as much. Yeah, I've, right got, now, I've got I've got a, a bunch of content on there, but I don't necessarily interact all that much. But uh, honestly, the best place is is just to send me an email. Uh, so Michelle, it's uh, two L's at awesomeoutsourcing.com, and I'll be happy to get back in touch with you and see you know how I can help. Perfect. And and speaking about LinkedIn, um, I also understand that you have a LinkedIn lead generation service? Yeah, I do. Um, So one of the things that we found was challenging for small business owners was they knew that they needed to take the time to network with their perfect client, Mm -hmm. but they didn't necessarily have the time to do that because it's it's super Mm -hmm. time consuming. So what we did was we figured out a way to take out all of the manual labor and just hand the prospect off when they were ready to start talking. And so we created, um, we have a real technical fancy name for it. We call it LinkedIn lead generation service. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and what we do is we go through and uh, we just connect with 40 prospects a day that are your perfect avatar. And we, we develop a script and we start to talk to them. And when they start to talk back and say, hey, yes, I'm interested or no, I'm not interested or something, we actually hand them off to the client mm-hmm. and say, you know, hey, okay, guess what? You know, John Smith wants to now start talking. Please log into your LinkedIn and start a conversation with him. So what does that do? Well, it gives you about three hours a day back. (laughs) Um, And it starts building relationships and putting people in your pipeline. And we know that those are the exact people that are your ideal client because we're not contacting anybody who isn't your ideal client. Mm. And uh, we do that through Sales Navigator. So if you're not familiar with Sales Navigator, um, it is the best tool on LinkedIn. It's basically like cheating. (laughs) (laughs) What it does is you go through and you can actually put in the demographics for your ideal avatar and it'll give you everybody's profile that fits that. And so those are the people that we contact. And uh, I actually have a whole training on um, how to do this for yourself, if you would like. Happy to give it to you. But basically, it's it's super simple. You just go through and you contact 40 people a day. And you're like, why 40? Well, when we hit 50, uh, Facebook, or I'm sorry, LinkedIn uh, alarms start to go off. Like, hey, what are they doing? So we give like a, a, a 10 person buffer in there so that if you wanted to go in and start adding some individual people yourself any day, it's not a problem. But that also gives us enough that that should spark about 40 conversations a month. So if we do that, we're going to reach out to about 800 people. Of those 800 people, really only 200 are going to really connect with you. Of those 200, really only 40 or 50 are going to want to have a conversation with you. Mm -hmm. But that's 40 or 50 people that want to have a conversation with you (laughs) that you haven't done anything really to start that, that conversation, which is, which is amazing. And uh, it's been super, super helpful for people to start to build their funnel and their lead gen and, uh, and really start rock and roll. And in fact, most of our clients, uh, they'll do it for like three months. And then they're like, Michelle, you gotta, you gotta stop it for a couple of months. I've got too many leads. (laughs) Shut it (laughs) off. And then they'll come back a month later and they're like, okay, turn it back on. We're back. (laughs) That's awesome. Well, very cool. I will definitely have to check that out. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today, Michelle. Absolutely. It was a pleasure. I hope it was uh, helpful. I felt like I got a ton of great information from Michelle's interview and not just about automation, but also about going after your goals in general. So one of the things that Michelle mentioned was about failing. 
Now, I'm paraphrasing here, but basically she said that we are at some point going to fail at something and that it's not only okay that we failed, but actually it can be turned into a positive thing because we can learn from that failure. And the faster we fail, the quicker we'll be able to look at that situation and ask ourselves what happened. Hindsight is 2020, right? So if you failed at something and still want to go after that goal, then look back at that situation of what seemed like a failure and try to extrapolate some information from it, like what do you think made you fail? Or what could you do differently next time that might change the outcome? Looking at the failure point through a clear, unbiased lens is often the best method to figure out how to succeed in your next go-round. I've recently been rereading Ryan Holiday's The Obstacle is the Way, which is a really great book, by the way, and it can really help you incorporate more stoicism into your life and business. But anyways, um, I've been reading one or two chapters a day and then sort of digesting them individually. And this talk about how you can use failure to help you kind of succeed in your future goals really made me think about the chapter on practicing objectivity from The Obstacle is the Way. I think regardless of our goals, we tend to look back at what we consider quote unquote failures in our lives and consider it a really negative thing and how it feels like a negative thing when we fail at something, right? Sometimes that failure event feels so raw that it's hard to even think on it. So we just completely move on from that goal. But if, as Ryan Holiday puts it, we can practice objectivity around that event and see it simply as something that happened rather than something bad that happened, then we can do as Michelle Thompson recommends and collect a ton of data from that situation, from our actions in that situation, and the repercussions that we experience from our actions. I've definitely had some failure points in my life, like starting a resume writing company with a business partner because I was too scared to go out and start a business on my own. Now, this was years ago, but when that business closed, I didn't think I'd ever want to start another business. I walked around with the idea in my head that the business hadn't worked because I'd done something wrong and that I'd be a failure again if I tried to start another business. Eventually, when the rawness wore off from that failure, I was able to look back at what worked and what didn't with that business, collect the data from that failure, and then I started Evergrowth Coach without making the same mistakes as before. Although I'm sure I made several other mistakes, but... Um, but if I had decided to start Evergrowth Coach without looking head on at the mistakes from the previous business, I probably would have shut down again within the first few months because I might have made the same dang mistakes. Failure is a useful tool. As Michelle suggests, learn from your mistakes and apply those lessons to your next endeavor. The other point that I really wanted to circle back to from Michelle was how she talked about the importance of communication when outsourcing tasks or projects. She explained that when she didn't get a finished project back the way she'd anticipated, she realized it was mostly because she hadn't communicated her expectations to the contractor. This is huge. I've done this myself when outsourcing to designers to create my book covers, and it's taken me a few transactions to learn how to better communicate what I'm looking for in a finished design. I can't just be like, I'd like a business book for women, right? And then expect the designer to just get it and see exactly how I see it in my mind. I have to be more detailed and communicate my expectations. A much clearer directive would be to say something like, this book is for women entrepreneurs, and I'd really like to stick primarily to my pink and white brand colors. I'd also like to keep the graphics sparse, so maybe just stick to one image, right? This is a lot more information to go on, but even that could be elaborated on if I knew what kind of imagery I was going for, but you get the gist. Communicating our expectations more clearly is applicable to more than just business, and it can really improve any situation. The clearer we are in explaining what we need or want, the more likely that we will be to obtain the outcome that we want. 
Okay, I think I've rattled on long enough today. Um, I hope that you guys enjoyed today's interview with Michelle. I know I got a lot of really great information out of her interview, and I'll be applying a lot of that to my own business. And don't forget to follow me on TikTok and Snapchat. I would love to follow you listeners back and see what you guys are up to. All right, join me next week for a solo show where I focus on something I really initially struggled with when starting my business, the power of saying no. Until then, go find out. Thanks for listening to the show today. I hope you found the information beneficial and that it helps you tackle your own Go Find Out goals. You can find more episodes and the show transcripts at gofindoutpodcast.com. You can also let me know what you thought of the show by tweeting me at GFO Podcast or follow me on Instagram at gofindoutpodcast. That's it for today. Now go find out. <laughs>